Okay, looks like we are live once again. Another week, another uh, rupee. I don't know, what do we get paid in? <laughs> Splendor gems. Yeah. Oh man, I miss playing that game. I love Splendor, actually. We should play that again. I don't, I don't, it's one of those games I don't even mind losing at. I think I mentioned that before. <laughs> I miss Parfum. Parfum's a good game, too. I don't even remember Parfum, I don't think. It's, it's like Splendor plus one. No? Yeah. I miss Agricola. No, I don't. That game was not fun. <laughs> no, that game is terrible. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> if you like good games. Anyway, should we begin? Let's start. Let's do it. 210 at it again. And... Welcome to episode 210 of the Nerd Stravaganza podcast, where we never discount because our prices are more than fair. I'm Tom. I'm Brian. And I'm Cam. And this week we'll be discussing GSRPs, or Ganza Suggested Retail Practices, <laughs> for the tabletop industry. Tabletop retail industry, I should specify. But first, I will strongly suggest to listeners that they take full advantage of our competitive pricing of zero by checking us out on iTunes. We also recommend Maximum Stars and Starry Reviews. And with that said, it's time to start things off. That was an odd way of saying that. <laughs> uh, it's time to start things off with a weekly geekly, geekly weekly update. Brian, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, uh, it's been a pretty sit at desk, internet television heavy week for me. The, the the dog is still in the cone and still being very needy, so I, I haven't really got to to branch out too much. Uh, actually, played a lot of Black Desert. That game is really good. I have not felt this way about an MMO since probably uh, World of Warcraft vanilla. That good. I keep, I keep trying to nail it down. It's really weird because like just days will go by without me killing a mob in anger. And <laughs> and I still enjoy every single day. It, it, it's, it's definitely a, a, a new and unique and, and enjoyable experience. That's cool. There's just that much to do. I know you, it seemed pretty involved when you told us about it, when we actually did the episode on it. So, well, I don't remember when it was. I think it was Sunday. It was kind of rainy and my dog was like super needy and I was trying to like watch a movie with him to keep him calm and everything like that. And I just rode a wagon back and forth on the continent, like this town, this town, this town, up, this town, this town, this town, back, this town, this town, uh, <laughs> buying trade goods and selling trade goods to NPCs. And I made like probably half a million silver and like five levels of trader experience. And wow. The only time I would get off my, my cart was to talk to a vendor. That's awesome. So there is, I mean, there, you can literally be a successful trader. You don't have to go out and kill 5,000 goblins or whatever you'd have to kill to get your start. Not like you can start with that because you'd have to invest. But yeah, once you're like level 10 or something like that, you can just kind of do whatever you want. Nice. There's a lot of very successful, like I fish. <laughs> That's it. I fish. <laughs> I think I want to say Final Fantasy 14 in its first iteration was trying to do something like that where you could be a fisherman. But uh, I'm not really sure they were as successful in that endeavor as this game seems to have been. So glad you're enjoying it. Glad the they've kind of given you a new lease on MMORPG life. 
Yeah, it's it's great being tied down to a computer 24-7 again. Missed it. <laughs> uh, one way or another in this day and age. In this computer age, you're tied down, right? And uh, uh, some some movies. What did I see? Oh, uh, American Sniper I saw today. Um, I think I mentioned John Wick last week. Just whatever is on HBO. I've just been like watching it with my dog on my lap. <laughs> Game of Thrones? Everything but Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Uh, I almost watched the premiere, but I missed like the catch-up marathon, so I was like, eh. I think you can watch all those on demand if you if you have an H- or even on- online with the HBO Go service. If you have an HBO subscription, you can do that if that interests you. This is funny. Like, I think everyone I know assumed I would like them, so I have them all on DVD and Blu-ray. Like, here's a <laughs> gift. You like this stuff, right? Yes, I do. Thank you. Uh, I just don't watch them. I don't know why. That's funny. It, it's good, man. It just give up on like almost at first you'd be like, this is like the books. And then pretty soon you'd be like, what is this? And then you'll just come to accept that this is its own thing. And then you'll, you'll enjoy it for what it is. I, I find that reading about them, like reading synopses after, uh, after the fact is, is plenty. Like all, that's all I need to get the gist of, of, and like be able to like communicate with people. Did you hear about? Yeah. Oh my God. Ooh, what a well. Bad news. Uh, that Breaking Bad show is coming back in some form, so you're gonna have to get back to not being able to lie. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll have to just become a hermit again. I mean, <laughs> bro, did Breaking you see that Bad episode? And Black Desert, like converging. Uh, God, I'm not looking forward to that. Anything else, man? No. <laughs> All right. I think ten more days for the dog. Wish me luck. All right, we do. We do. Well, you'll be most of the way there by our next episode. So. If it's still on um, HBO Demand, uh, I would suggest, Brian, watch the movie um, Frequently Asked Questions About Time Travel. Really? It's a British comedy about these guys just sort of bumbling through time travel and they're hmm. from, their lo- from their local pub. It's pretty funny, actually. I, w- I would check it out if it's, on, if it's on demand. Frequently Asked Questions About Time Travel. I'll check it out. Sounds kind of cool. I may check that out, too, actually. Although I wasn't invited to. Yeah, well, no, just, <laughs> you're busy. <laughs> he, he was talking about, uh, you know, HBO and I know his penchant for uh, British humor. So the, the pronunciation of penchant gets you extra points. Tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I would normally segue. Uh, I think that's just segue <laughs> over to you, Cam. But in, in the tradition of being a little avant-garde, All right. <laughs> no, in the tradition of mixing it up a little, uh, I'll go next. That way I'm not always the like final word on the roundup. So over to me, over to you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. What have you been up to? Well, uh, let's see. What have you been up to? Well, we got back from our working at Disney trip last week. We went to Disney and we worked our normal day job during the day. And at night we went to the parks and that was pretty cool. That was a new take on Disney. Like it's the middle of the week. Not as many people there. Not a very busy time of year. And when you get done with work, you go to Disney. And as you're walking in, like hordes of people are walking out. And you get the extra magic hours because you stay at the at a, at a resort on property. So uh, for anybody who has a job that lets them work remotely, try working from Disney one time. And <laughs> take advantage of the <laughs> extra magic hours if you're anywhere near the Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida, which we are, which we are, we're a few hours away. Let's see, we got back from that, my companion and I, and 
right away went over to the Adventure Game Store in Davie, Florida. If you're in the Florida region, swing by sometime. Where we recorded some footage of us playing uh, the End of the World RPG uh, with Chris serving as our game master. It's sort of a lightweight, lightweight rules, I guess you'd uh, call it, Cam. Uh, RPG, where you just kind of you can get into it without a lot of prep. Yeah, and it, it's it's almost sort of like the fate system, where it just sort of assumes a lot of things as well. You don't have to be like. Uh, yeah, well, I'm checking for this and checking for that. It's just like, I jumped over this fence. I didn't have to check to see if it was magical. I didn't have to check to see if it was, you know what I mean? If there right, was some right. sort of booby trap or, you know, whatever. It just, the, it's sort of a streamlined, you know, I don't want to say novice. I mean, you know, I think it's fun for any level of RPG or, uh, player, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's definitely more of a, all right, let's just have fun, jump into it kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's kind of the role-playing I always like to do. I mean, we played with, we would do combat and stuff, but I always found getting bogged down in lengthy combat sequences to be not so fun about with RPG, especially if it's really dragging out and people are like, well, what should I do next? And hemming and hawing. Um, yeah. It could be tense, but it can also be boring. So this, no combat. This was all about surviving the end of the world. And uh, we survived. We survived the Atlantean invasion of Florida and the United States. And the rest of the world, presumably. Well, like uh, like they say in the uh, the Matrix, there it was there are different levels of of survival that we're willing to accept. <laughs> right. I, th- I think we accepted one of the lower levels of survival, but we, yes, we did. Sur- we did not die. Right. the <laughs> the, the ending. Uh, the the Chris assured us that we survived, uh, having basically found a road dinghy and making our way out of a rapidly flooding Florida. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll call it a win. We lost a couple yeah. people along the way, though. That was yeah, we did. We lost a couple uh, fellow adventurers, but hey, <laughs> we survived. Let's see. Apart from that, uh, I've been trying to improve my coding skills, getting a little more into the type of coding I really don't do, kind of the hardcore, well, I won't say hardcore, but more fundamental stuff I learned in school. There's some potential job prospects that have not at all come up, have not at all come up, and I'm not at all interested in any other jobs. Why did I say <laughs> that? Um <laughs> I'm improving my coding skills uh, using a site called Hacker Rank, which if you want to get into coding and just try exercises of various degrees of challenge, I highly recommend it. I submitted today what I discovered was termed a naive solution. Uh, my problem was right, but it didn't scale. So it, it for very small input sets, it was fine. So you, you submit your code and then it checks off like test case one, pass two, three and then it's like hanging 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 four failed and then hanging five failed because you have to complete your code has to execute in a reasonable amount of time and mine did not so i'm looking forward to getting back to that and optimizing my Mm. my naive solution i hadn't run into one of those but and i had heard about naive solutions failing on advanced test cases and i found that out this sounds way more interesting to me than i'm sure it does to you guys (laughs) sorry (sighs) but it's it's like making a race car and taking it out to the track. I don't know how else to put it. Um, and you, you know, you know the basics of wheels and an engine, but you don't really know performance like you think you do. Interesting. Interesting to me. We might've lost audience members after that little <laughs> segue. And speaking, but speaking of technology and web technology and so on and so forth, I am trying to figure out how to contribute in a non-technical, but rather a creative way to the new technology platform. We call the new nerd extravaganza website. It's been rolled out. It's looking really good. Woo! 
and uh, I would like to start writing some blog entries on there. So got to figure out where that fits into the content mix. And uh, that would exercise the other side of my brain. That's not the, the coding and logical side. You have to do something with creative writing. Thank you, Brian. That's thank you for that vote of confidence. Um, hopefully my blatherings will come across as uh, technical manuals. You know, hopefully I'm not too far down the. <laughs> well, if the first 10 do, you know, the 11th will come across less. So true. Okay. Yeah. You've talked about that I... forever, dude. You might as well, you know. Yeah. I haven't exercised that part of my brain um, in too long. So yeah, I should. I think, I think that'd be really rewarding. So yeah, look for some contributions from me along those lines very soon. And that's it. That's it. And with that, I'm going to transition over to you, Can, to wrap up the Weekly Geeklies. All right. Uh, my week was pretty tame. I uh, Well, I mean, we, we definitely had some, some good fun at the Adventure Game Store uh, with our end of the world RPG scenario. That was really cool. Thank you, Chris, for setting that up for us and Diana and Kelvin for uh, joining in um, and obviously your companion as well, uh, Tom. Um, the video I think is going to get chopped up in the next week or two and we'll be putting out installments weekly of our gameplay, which I think will have listeners or viewers on the edge of their seats. Uh, I'm sure ready to uh, kill themselves, but, um, uh, that should be out soon. Then, um, we also had tabletop day this weekend, uh, which at the adventure game store, tabletop day being my favorite, uh, gaming holiday of the year. Um, and, uh, Got there, wrote pretty early, played a bunch of games. Uh, my companion and I uh, weren't feeling well, so we sort of, you know, took off a little bit earlier than I normally would on a tabletop day. But we still got in a solid five, six hours of gaming, so it wasn't a miss by any means. Uh, we had a good time doing that. And then uh, I'm still just plugging away on my my gaming cave uh, upstairs in my loft. Uh, you guys can't see it now, but you will shortly. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's coming along. It's taken a lot longer than I thought it would. It was a much bigger undertaking than I thought it would be, but, uh, it is, uh, it is coming together. I actually did a lot of good work on it today, so we'll see. Should be done soon. And, um, other than that, just, uh, been hanging out. I got my car back. I was rear-ended on April fool's day by someone. Oh <laughs> and, uh, so finally got my car back. So I don't have a soccer mom vehicle anymore. I uh, now have my, uh, my, my hybrid back. And, um, so that, that's always nice. Not really geek related, but I'm just, I'm stoked that I have my car back. So <laughs> that's it for me. All right. Short and sweet. Glad to have your car back. It did help us survive. Um, yes. and that's appreciated. If we didn't have an SUV, wow. If we didn't have an SUV, we, wouldn't have been able to be total sociopaths uh, to yeah. the degree that we were in this game. I, I'm not, I'm going to save it for when we release the video content, but I, the <laughs> RPG, I think it's going to be more entertaining uh, on review. It was, it was really yeah. fun. Yeah. We just basically were jerks to everyone else and just acted totally in self-interest. Brian, just, it, it, within like 20 seconds, we just debased, like we just became like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, this little teaser is for you, Brian. It started at the very table we were sitting at, at the Adventure Game Store. And <laughs> the first people we dealt with were was a rival group of gamers we made up. That's funny. And, in, the, uh, in the store. <laughs> yeah, in the store. <laughs> and uh, I, it, it went downhill from there. So, yeah, looking forward to getting that out there. It was kind of entertaining. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty good. <laughs> and that's it. But you are not off the hook, Cam, because... The focus is still on you, and now it's time to focus on news with 
the new stravaganza. I feel like I should have like a hat like that I should put on. When yeah, it's you like should put t- like a news hat on. <laughs> yeah, like one of those like with like a ticket. Press, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, speaking of end of the world scenarios, um, Tesla, Elon Musk and his uh, amazing machines, um, they have come out with a new – well, they have the Model X that they're sort of teasing um, that's going to be coming out soon. Um, they showed a video uh, on the internet this week uh, – showcasing their bioweapon defense mode. They put it in like this deadly, this chamber, like air chamber and pumped in a bunch of toxins and then turned, you know, turned on their bioweapon defense mode and like basically tested to see how much of this like bioweapon would actually get into the car. Uh, And surprisingly it did pretty well. Like you can turn on your bioweapon defense mode and drive through the apocalypse with uh, not worrying about your air quality in your Tesla Model X. So yet another another reason to get one. I, okay. (laughs) I mean, I don't know where you're going to plug it in, but I mean, you know, once the the power grid goes down, but I mean, I feel right, 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 right. You're kind of vulnerable unless it's solar powered. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, Let's look at some other doomsday scenarios. Uh, Oculus Rift, (laughs) speaking of doomsday scenarios, if you were an early adapter, you must be so pissed because I mean, you know, they first said it was going to come out this time and then it was going to come out this time. Then it was going to come out this time. And then they keep pushing it back months and months and months. And now it seems, which is, this is like my biggest pet peeve of any crowdfunding and any kind of issue where you're putting up your money first, um, the Oculus Rift is going to be sold at retail before most of the pre-order backlog is cleared. Oh man, that is sucky. Yeah. If I was a early adopter, early funder, I would be fucking livid. Like I, I, I would, uh, that, that, that kills me, especially like, you know, when, when it comes to like, even when it's just like a board game, you know, you know what I mean? Like that pisses me off when it's in retail before I get my copy. Uh, if I've, if I backed it on Kickstarter or Indiegogo or something like that, but for something as big as the Oculus Rift to not fulfill their early adopters who are probably the people that are going to continue to support them, you know, going forward, the people that buy them at retail are probably just like casual fans. You, you know what I mean? Um, so I don't know, man, it just seems like a big mistake to me, but that's what they're doing. That, I mean, wow. I think we've talked about this, but there's no, there's no mandatory reciprocation at all. Right. On their part. Like, yeah, you just got to wait. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you could probably just call them up and be like, Hey, I want my money back and then go buy it retail. But like, I don't know, man, like that would hack me off just to have to do that. You know, that's really sucky. I, I feel bad for the people who, uh, Mm. I, I feel, I feel that that really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say it, man. That 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 blows. I'm speechless, really. I'm, I'm just trying to think <laughs> of any kind of a, but but you know, you throw your money at crowdfunding and you're kind of, you don't have any rights, right? That, that's what I was trying to say before. Yeah, yeah, no, that's like I'm saying. You can't. I mean, you don't have any rights if they don't want to do something that they don't have to. But I mean, I think a company that big is gonna would probably give you your money back if you, you know, it's not just like some dude in his house. That's like, you know, raise $20,000 to make a, a, you know, a board game. You know, this is a huge company that's raised millions and millions and put, you know, hundreds of millions into R&D. So, you know, they're, they're, they're going to try to, I'm sure you can get your money back. But the fact is that doesn't make me, that wouldn't make me any happier, you know, by just getting my money back because I wanted the product. And chances are if the, the backlog of pre-orders is not coming through, 
the retail is going to sell out like in minutes too. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So even getting my money back isn't going to help me probably. I mean, it sucks for them. So like, sorry, I'm not totally concerned about you guys, (laughs) but um, I'm really curious like what this will do for VR in the future. Because these are obviously VR enthusiasts, obviously early adapters. Are they going to get pissed and walk away from VR like entirely? Or are they going to just, you know, buy a Sony or or something else or whatever? Like, I I wonder what this is going to do to like emerging technology. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to hurt the technology itself. I I think I was more talking about the company. So you just don't treat your, your, your people that way. You know, these guys came in, they put up their money. And now you're dicking them like that. Like, see ya. Like, I mean, there is, there is hardly any brand loyalty anymore. Anyway, it's basically the best product at the cheapest price. But if there was going to be any brand loyalty like that, kiss that goodbye. That's out the window. They're your, they're potentially your most diehard loyal customers for life. And you're right. You're screwing them. Yeah. I I don't really understand that strategy, but yeah, the people you had the most potential to get any kind of brand loyalty from you just, you know, right. Right. Stuck yeah. It in and broke I, I see what you're saying. Brand. This was the a mischance at establishing brand loyalty, which you which you say is so rare. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree, man. Yep. Um, the American Dental Association. Uh, be careful uh, if when you go to your next dental appointment. Um, I guess they sent out. You know how they send out like those marketing flash drives. These companies they just send you a free flash drive. Gonna oh, have their, na- their their name on it. Whatever. Well, apparently the ADA, uh, which we all remember as kids who used to come around and give us like free toothbrushes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You guys remember those like those tablets you used to chew and then it like supposedly like put like red spots on your yeah. gums where there was like tartar. Yeah. It was such a scam. But a- anyway, so like the um, they sent out these flash drives and the flash drives have malware on them. Um, one of them even <laughs> gets you to try to go to a web page that's known for like basically allowing people to get full control of your system. Oh my. So, yeah. So if some, you know, Joe Blow or Jane Blow at a dental office says, oh, a free, you know, flash drive, put puts it in, goes to that website, clicks it. Now everyone's HIPAA information, you know, social security number, um, everything, basically. All their, all their credit card information, banking information, whatever is all completely open now to that attack. So... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So good old hacker technology. Um, let's see. Uh, remember that kid from flight of the navigator? Yes. The little, the little doofus that like flew the, and that was actually, uh, I think that all happened or supposedly he lived like in Miami, right? That was like, right. The setting for the, for the movie. Um, he, uh, apparently robbed a bank last month. Really? Yeah, he's uh, he's been in trouble with the law pretty frequently for the last uh, few years, um, passing off bad checks, you know, minor fraud, things like that. <laughs> apparently, uh, you know, just based on uh, uh, you know, uh, allegedly, I don't, I don't know what he's been convicted of or whatever, but apparently, the the article says he's been uh, you know in trouble with the law, and then now it's saying that he uh, he robbed a local bank or or police have arrested him for robbing a a local bank. Um, He lives in Canada. So the Royal Mounted Police issued an arrest warrant and and got him uh, for walking in and with a wig on (laughs) and and, and robbing a bank and walking out. So uh, I guess it looks like he's hit on hard times. His mugshot is not not pretty. Uh, Poor guy. Wasn't that movie based in Florida? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think okay, it's like, I, in Miami, yeah. I'm glad you said he's in Canada. I thought this was going to be another like Florida man story. So No, 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 no. Yeah. Now I remember the little girl like had to go into the woods of Florida, which they're I don't know what woods and like light off uh fireworks. I think that was the end of the movie so that they could like find their way back to to his house in in Miami. Um but yeah, <laughs> that guy's having hard times. Um speaking of flights, um a Qantas flight in Australia was grounded recently because somebody thought it would be funny to name their mobile hotspot, their phone or device or whatever, mobile detonation device. Jesus. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So they named that. Uh, and I guess somebody else was like, sort of like, you know, scrolling through the different networks they could join to and saw this mobile detonation device uh, <laughs> network and showed it to one of the stewardesses who showed it to the captain. And they said, all right, we got to ground the flight. Um, and everyone was hacked off because they couldn't get from wherever Sydney to Melbourne, where the hell they were going. Uh, wow. <laughs> Gotta leave it to the Aussies. By the way, have you ever guys watched the, have you guys ever watched those Aussie man videos? Those are pretty <laughs> freaking hilarious. Uh, uh-uh. or it's just, just some Australian guy. And it's like, whatever, like he just like Aussie man reviews, like a commercial and he's like, here's this fucking asshole. Here's a, it just says it. It's just funnier in an Australian voice. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, and speaking of Australia, uh, an Australian brewery is making beer from belly button lint. We talked a couple months ago about the, uh, let's say, vaginal excretion beer that was being made. Yeah. Uh, now I guess they're taking it to belly button lint. See, Who's buying this shit? I, I have no idea, but. As I said with the excretion story, disgusting but slightly less disgusting if the lint comes from the belly button of a very attractive woman. Yeah, exactly. Slightly less. Still disgusting, <laughs> still won't. But gun to my head, I'd be a little bit better if it was from somebody who is really hot. Right. Makes it a little more palpable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's the news with Cam without his press hat. <laughs> awesome, man. All right. That's it for the news segment. And that brings us to tonight's episode, which kind of has to do with some news in the tabletop industry. Brian, you, you kind of uh, were advocating for this topic. And this is a pretty interesting one. And one we've kind of, we talked about the practice that the industry is trying to crack down on. I'll, I'll let you explain exactly what's going on. What certain manufacturers, publishers are doing is limiting the discount any online outlet can give from MSRP. So the, the reasoning behind that is it's good for the community because now you're kind of encouraged to go into a store and help the stores out a little bit. Stores are usually MSRP. That's just a matter of fact, I think. Uh, whereas you might be able to get it online for 25 or 30% off. They're saying most of those people online don't help at all. So why we're going to discourage you from, from using them exclusively. And uh, I, th- I think games workshop has done this for years and years. And, and a lot of people either love or hate games workshop. Uh, so I don't really know if that's a good or, uh, example or a bad example, Catan has been this way. That's kind of one of the reasons you can't find Catan 
on sale anywhere is because it's it's pretty tightly controlled. I think I think ten percent is their maximum discount for for even like Target or anything like that. And now just lately, uh, Fantasy Flight has come out and said that they would be doing that with the X-Wing Miniatures game. And uh, most recently, and I think kind of like the biggest news for maybe uh, enthusiast is Privateer Press has said that they would be doing that for War Machine and Hordes. And I guess anything else they do. I don't, I don't really know if anyone else cares about their other products as much. But they are limiting discounts to 10%, which is – people see it as a, a huge price hike. And some people are all for it because it's good for the community. And some people are really upset about it because it edges them out of the community. Hmm. First, I guess, your thoughts on the currency – and then secondly, your thoughts on, I mean, is that actually good for like our community or is that, mm, I don't know, a bit of a crutch for our community? You know, should we be adapting in, in, in ways other than cheap prices? What do you think, Cam? Well, here's where I get into the, you know, I always say on the show, like, it's always wrong until it's you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, where you got that mentality where it's like, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. And then, but it's okay for me because right. of, you know, whatever. Um, and you know, so I'm, I'm putting that bias out there, you know, right away. Um, obviously because our sponsor, the adventure game store is a local game store. And I see firsthand the deleterious effects of these major online gaming, uh, retailers that just, undercut the shit out of the games and these local game stores, you know, on, on their sales. And so, you know, if I could buy a game for, you know, typically it's 35, you know, 30, 35% off. Like if I can buy a game for 25, $26 that I can buy, you know, that, that would cost me $40 at the local game store. Why am I, buying it from the local game store. That's like, that is the, that's just the normal reaction of most people these days. And like I alluded to in the beginning of the show, there hardly is any brand loyalty anymore. It's, you know, who, who has the best product and who has it the cheapest? I, I don't care what, what anything else, you know, I don't care if little kids in, you know, some third world country are making it. I don't care if you had to truck it in on the backs of, you know, <laughs> uh, endangered animals. Like, uh, you know, I want the cheapest and I want the best and I want it now. And that is just the mentality of society these days, unfortunately. And so, and as a, you know, corporate attorney, I mean, that is the basic, you know, uh, fundamentalism of, of capitalism, you know, the best product, almost Darwinian, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it, the only the strong survive, only the people delivering the best survive. And if you can't keep up, then you're just going to get run, you know, you're going to get left behind or you're going to get run over. Um, so on one hand, I see how it is that, you know, these online retailers are destroying. I mean, I, I, when I say firsthand, I mean, I, I mean, literally firsthand, I've been sitting in the game store. I will demo a game for someone or, or just play a game with someone, they'll, they'll be like, man, this game is awesome. And I'll be like, yeah, you know, it's right on the shelf right there. If you want to buy it, they'll look at it. Oh, 40 bucks, 50 bucks. They'll pick up their phone. Oh man, it's 30 bucks on Amazon. 
and click. I mean, they don't even wait to go home. They buy it on their phone and it's like, oh, it'll, oh I got Prime. It'll be there tomorrow or the next day, you know? And it's like, well, yeah, okay, it is 20 bucks cheaper, but like, how about we, you know, you just sat here for an hour or two in this game store, enjoying the ambiance, enjoying someone teaching you the game, enjoying, you know, whatever, you know, whatever those intangible effects of, of actually being in a store with people having a good time brings to you. And you can't pony up an extra 10, 15 bucks to just buy it and, and support the local store. That's kind of shitty. I mean, I understand the person that's removed that's sitting on his couch or her couch and says, Hmm, that game, you know, whatever that I played at my friend's house the other day or that I've heard is so cool. Let me look it up and see how much it is. And you know, if, if the option is buying it from an online retailer for 30% cheaper, 35% cheaper, or getting in my car and driving to a game store, obviously I'm just going to buy it online. But you know, I, I think there has to be some sort of happy medium in there somewhere. You hear of this phenomenon in retail in general called showrooming, where somebody goes into Walmart, somebody goes into Target, somebody goes into Best Buy, they inspect the merchandise, they get hands-on, they look at it, they waste the salesman's time, who's there trying to earn, just trying to earn a living. Mm -hmm. Then they go home and they buy it online. I've been in game right. stores, game stores run by friends and people we know, with, and I've heard other friends like, oh, this is cheaper online. Oh, this I'll get it cheaper online. People not even willing to pay extra to support their friends. Mm -hmm. I guess I feel a little less bad for Best Buy and Walmart because you know they're big evil corporations and blah blah blah. But when it comes to your friend's game store, when it comes to a place that's not only the place you buy, but the venue in which you often enjoy the product, I vote with my dollars. Mm -hmm. So even without these price controls in place. All other things being equal, I will buy uh, at, at AGS or another local game store. Wherever A place I frequent is where I shop because I vote with my dollars. I want this place to be around. I want the people running it to make money. And it's a few extra bucks. And something I think people lose sight of is you don't need anything in that store. None of those are necessities. It's not like, well, you know, I can get the necessities of life cheaper online. Okay. That, that's, that's one thing you have to eat, but you don't need these toys and you can, your choice of where to buy them affects where you can play. It's your, it's your playground and your place to buy toys all in one, if you think about it. So I have strong bias too, but with that said, I, and I'll add, add to this. I I'm in favor of this. I think the playing field, well, no, let me say this again. If the manufacturers want to set these prices, they have the right to do it. And I like it because I like the side effect that it helps game stores. Well, actually, you know, I, I will sort of take you to task there, Tom. Actually, you know, it's funny because it's counterintuitive in this situation. Um, the whole reason like the Sherman Antitrust Act and all that stuff was enacted way back in, you know, beginning of, of the 1900s and 1800s is because all these robber barons got together and they price fixed. You know what I mean? They, oh, well, you know, they, they, they figured out very quickly that if we all just charge X amount, then we're the only game in town. So we have a, a monopoly and now everyone has to buy, whether they buy it from you, Rockefeller or me, Carnegie or whatever, like it's all going to be at this price and we won't go below those prices. And so the government came in and said, you know, these, these trusts and these like, you know, th these monopolies, we got to bust them up and you know, that's for consumer good. So if you look at it on a smaller scale, this is basically what the game companies are doing. They're sort of 
either overtly or, or even maybe even getting together at, and saying, hey, you know what? We've got to do something and we've got to make sure that we don't sell our products at, you know, or make sure that our distributors or our end, end sellers don't sell our products for less than X dollars. And if you look at it from a purely economic standpoint, a, a fair market trade standpoint, that is technically bad for the consumer because now the consumer is paying more for a product that he or she ultimately would otherwise be able to pay. That though, like I said, is counterintuitive because that's then killing the local game store. So it's having a bad effect on the game store, but it's having a bad effect on, on, on the consumer, but having a good effect on the game store. Whereas if you let it just go and let the free market go, it's having a bad effect on the game store, a good effect on the consumer. So you then have to ask yourself, what, who do you want to save or who do you want to take care of more? The Joe public or game store public? Um, I, you know, obviously I know where our bias <laughs> lies with the, with the, you know, with the game store, but at the same time, I don't know if, you know, if you talk to an economist or anyone else, they'd say that, you know, game, I, I think their answer would be, well, game stores need to adapt or they're just going to go the way of the Dodo. Well, Hmm. I, I want to let Brian weigh in again, but I'll just say this. If there was collusion going on, if all the game publishers got together and said, look, we're putting out comparable products. You've got a strategy game. I've got a strategy game. Let's set the price for strategy games at $40 and that's it. I would have much more of a problem with it. But as things stand, these are we're dealing with a lot of, a lot of different game companies. I, I think we agree that it, it's a... I say thankfully crowded market in terms of the number of people putting out games. I like that. Mm -hmm. And right now, so if, if Ganza games wants to make a game called, you know, podcast champions or whatever, and we want to say, look, the MSRP is $20. And if you sell it for less than $20 and we find out, we're going to resupply you after the people that are selling it at an MSRP or more. That's our, that's our choice. Mm -hmm. It's not like we have undue leverage over the industry. Like if we have a hot game, we have some leverage, but the retailer can make up their mind to just say like, oh, we're not going to carry your game then. There's plenty of other stuff on the shelf. And they're right. I like, I, I think it it's different because there's so much choice out there for the right. retailer to stock, for the customer to play. I, I, you know, I don't think anybody's exerting undue influence. Right. And, and you're, you're, you're right in, in a lot of different ways. One in that, this is a, a, like you said, it's, this is not a necessity, you know, board games, as much as it is a necessity in my life, it's not really a necessity. <laughs> right. Um, but, um, you know, it's not like bread, water, you know, shelter, whatever. Also, there's this concept of fungibility where I think you hit on it just now where, you know, a coffee bean is a coffee bean is a coffee bean, no matter, you know, it, it's a fungible item. You can swap in one coffee bean for another, whereas you can't necessarily swap in one strategy game for another. They all, they all are different conceivably, you know? Yep. So you, that that also is different. So if you have one game manufacturer doing it, another game manufacturer not doing it, they're not selling the same thing. They're not both selling sugar. They're both selling games, but they're different games. So yeah, there is a, a difference to be made there. And there's also sort of this concept called el uh, elasticity where how much is someone willing to pay more or less for a certain item? What's that elasticity? You know, are they willing to pay 
$20 for this item? Are they willing to pay $30? Mm-hmm. Or when does that elasticity break? You know? So there's a whole bunch of other things going in. I, I and I, you know, I already probably went way too far down the rabbit hole, but my, my main point was that this, the, the basic concept of price fixing is what we sort of had a, a huge problem with in the last century. Uh, and still do to this day. I mean, there are companies that get nailed for that all the time, still to this day. But I don't know. I guess I'm looking to you guys to tell me, and I think Tommy did a good job on it. And I want to hear what Brian has to say, how this is different and why we don't just care about the consumer and him him or her getting the best price. Uh, you know, why, why do we want, why, why are we why are we artificially sort of propping up the local game store? Aside from just liking the people that run it and, you know, them being one of them being our sponsors. <laughs> yeah. I think the whole thing's a mistake. Why I believe that it is, is a nice segue into, I think, the, the next topic. So I, I'll, I'll go now. I think the whole thing's a mistake, especially on Tom's example, because, Tom, the people that you've sat next to and played with, they said, oh, it's cheaper online. Do you think that they would care that it was only 10% cheaper online? Would that 10% have stopped them from buying it online? Or would they still just be like, ah, I'm saving 10%? Um, Depends on shipping. <laughs> Amazon free shipping, too. I mean, that's a given these days. Yeah, 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 that's true. Especially for board games, they're all over 50 bucks anyway. So you don't even need Prime for that. So I, I guess willingness to forego buying in person and buying online may also be elastic. You know, it all depends. Like, how much of a savings am I going to get? I got to go. I got to ship it. You know, I got to wait. I can't have it in my hand right now. It's $10 here. It's $11 here. It's $10 online. Okay. It's $11 here. Or, you know, it's, it's $20 here. It's $11 online. Then, whoa, it's totally worth waiting for. It's so much cheaper. Where I have a problem, and, and the reason we're not, I'm not letting the consumer went out is because I'm also the consumer and these, what I consider rival bad consumers are ruining my consumer experience by hurting local game stores. Okay. What I object to is the game makers are trying to set a level playing field by saying here, this is what we want our items to sell for. They have a right to say, we value our product as at this as a brand. And I'll I'll give an example. I'm not sure it's a hundred percent one-to-one, but it, seems to be kind of analogous. If I go to a Ford dealership and I look at a Ford Mustang and it's $40,000, I may be able to go to 10 other Ford dealerships and look at a forty at a, at a Mustang. I expect them all to be around 40,000, give or take a few thousand, because that's what the Mustang is valued at. That's there. There's, there's a certain entrance. There's a certain manufacturing cost that goes into it. And the price is built based on costs along the way. But at a certain point, Ford puts a stamp on it and says, you will sell these for around 40 K. That's we, we mandate it. I'm not expecting to go to, you know, cut rate Ford uh, down the road and find one for 20,000. And if I did, however they were doing that, maybe they're selling cocaine out the back door and that's their main business. I would think Ford would, would take a fairly dim view of that practice and put a stop to it because they want the Mustang to be a $40,000 card in the mind, the car in the minds of consumers. I don't think that's a fair comparison because you're assuming only one model. I think it's more analogous to some you wanting this year's model and someone else wanting like a cheap car. They're going to get a 2015 and they're going to get it for 30,000. Well, Tom, I, th- I like your cocaine analogy uh, <laughs> for 
game stores yeah. to sell coke. <laughs> Only because, and I'm going to flip things here now where I was sort of going after these companies that are, you know, hurting the consumer. Now I'm going to go after the, the flip side, which is predatory pricing in that there are several companies, several online retailers that we know very well that discount their games this much. So it's like you said, it's this $40,000 vehicle that has this intrinsic value. So it's a $40 game that say has this $40 intrinsic value, but certain online retailers are selling cocaine out the back, out the front door in the form of magic cards. Yes. And artificially taking away the value of that board game because they can afford to sell those board games at a at cost or at even a loss because they're making so much money on selling the magic singles. And so yes. in doing that, that predatory pricing is then driving their competitors out of business. Yep. And that that is a big problem. Everything else is a loss leader because the cocaine is what people are really there for. And, and, and in this case, the magic cards. So, right. And that's, that sucks for the people that don't want to play magic and want to buy right. games at their favorite retailers. But I don't know if lowering the cost is going to help that. Well, or, or raising the cost, lowering the cost elsewhere or raising their cost is, is going to change that. Oh, I see. Okay, so so what you were saying, Brian, with the some people want the 2015 versus the 2016, you're saying some people are willing to wait the extra month before the cocaine people. Some people want cheap games. And if 10% off is enough for them, they're still not going to buy in a game store. And if waiting two or three months to get it for 25% off is good enough for them, they're still going to get it uh, online. Like none of this actually helps bring the problem customer into game stores. Mm, I see your point. So you, you think there's just some diehard like value shoppers, no matter what, if they have to wait a year, they'll wait a year rather than pay that price. Kind of, but that's not exactly how I feel. How I feel is there's this market of people who like to play games and they don't need the newest game and they don't know what game just came out. And there's plenty of older games that they can get cheaper to play in the meantime. What you need to do is recruit them. You need Mm -hmm. to make them community so that they do want, oh my God, this game is awesome. I need to have this. Well, you can't get it for cheap. You should buy it here. Well, you can. I mean, those guys are always going to be there. And I think it's a pretty small subset. I mean, I, look, you can go on Board Game Geek and get any game, like uh, just a crappy beat up copy for five bucks, 10 bucks. You know what I'm saying? That someone's willing to sell because they've had it for five years and they just don't want it anymore. And they'll sell it to you for if five If they're bucks. on Board Game Geek, they're community. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. But but what I'm saying is they're, they they can just be those same people that are they, they found out about Board Game Geek just like they found out about eBay or whatever. And they see, oh man, I could buy a whole bunch of board games for super cheap. I don't, I don't ever have to even buy from an online retailer or, uh, or, a, or a game store. I can just buy these games that people don't want anymore. I think what the real issue is, is that the game companies are seeing that, look, we've had a big explosion in games over the past five, 10 years, right? How do we sustain this, not even growth, but how do we sustain just the weight of what's happened, right? And I think that what they're worried about is that if you're a gamer, like you said, Brian, if you're already in the community, if you already know about Board Game Geek, if you already know about gaming, you're going to go to game stores and you're going to continue to support the hobby. 
You're, you're going to go to places, even if there are no game stores, you're going to go and hang out at a Starbucks. You're going to hang out at someone's house and you're going to continue to play board games and you're going to continue to buy board games wherever you get them from, whether it's Target, Amazon, wherever. So those, those game companies are going to be still be selling games to those people. The problem is if you don't have these central meccas of gaming that do things like tabletop day, free RPG day, even free comic book day, things like that, you're not going to get the new users. You're not going to get the new people that might not otherwise be exposed to that hobby. And that, and, and like in anything else in, in corporate America, if you're not growing, you're dying. And so if you're not growing your existing fan base of people of, you know, to play games, then you're, you're in big trouble. Like the hobby's in trouble. So I think that's why they're all sort of recognizing that, look, we've got, we don't want to kill the golden goose here. We want to make sure that we can sustain and have a continued growth model. I mean, that, that's how I see, I mean, if I was in their boardroom, that's what I would be thinking. And that's why I would, that's why I would make this decision. It's not that I care. It's not that I want to hurt the, the online retailers. I don't want them to kill my future. You know, I, 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 I might be making plenty of money now, but I want to keep making money five, 10 years down the road. And how do we make sure we don't destroy our, our, our user base. Ah, that's interesting. I felt this way for a little while. I, I was a huge proponent of, of barcades and character cafes and, and everything like that way before. Well, Jesus Christ, I can't want to say this before it was a popular. <laughs> I, I just really believe in that. I really think game stores are services, not retail. Right. I would agree. I would agree a hundred percent. And I, I don't think lowering retail prices is going to make them retail. So how do you pay for that service? How, how are they compensated for that service? If the only means they have to be compensated right now, apart from opening a barcade, which is a sort of challenging endeavor, is to sell merchandise. Well, but that's kind of my point. They're, they're trying to act like retail. They need to stop that. Well, I think the market is bearing that out. I mean, just in the last year or two, there's been exponential growth in, in gaming cafes. There's been like, you know, hundred, like there was like five, like two or three years ago. Now there's like a hundred across the country. And it's the simple fact that what we've been talking about, people don't want to buy games from game stores because it's just too much. They can buy from Amazon. They can buy from an online discounter, but people want to play games and that's great if you buy a whole bunch of games from Amazon, they come in and they're sitting on your floor. Believe me, I've, I've done it. You know what I mean? I've got games on my floor right now, but who am I going to play them with? Where am I going to go play them? So that's why you need these gaming companies to adapt or these game stores to adapt to the new model. In my, Brian, obviously, and, and I know you were the first one, you're the one that told me about it years ago that like, you know, we, gaming cafes are the future. You need a place where people can go in and you're selling them something other than the games. You might have games there to, to pick up the odd sale here or there, but you need to be selling them food. You need to be selling them drinks and you need to be selling them time. You want to sit here and you want to play? That's fine. But you either have to buy $5 an hour or $5 every half hour in food and drink, or you just pay that as a sort of table rental fee. And that model is pretty sustainable. If if you know, a lot, a lot people of people are sustaining it. Yeah, yeah. These these companies are are doing well. During our gaming session, the one I alluded to in the didn't allude to the one I referred to directly in the weekly geekly, I was wearing a shirt from a gaming store up in Seattle called Card Kingdom. You'll 
make sure you tune into the video when we put it out there. I don't pretend to know the way these businesses are structured or if they're two sides of the same business, but they've got a big ass gaming area or they have a huge retail gaming store, like good size. They've got a lot of play space. They do tournaments. They do everything to engage the community. And then right next door, you can go up to the checkout counter and say, Hey, I'd like to check that game out. They hand you the game and you go next door and have a beer and eat. If you don't want to buy anything from them, that's fine. Just sit down at the pub, drink some beers and, and eat, you know, I mean, fees for table rental are also are another idea, but damn, something as simple as just selling someone a beer. Right. There's no way we can talk about this and not pick on someone. So I, I'm really sorry. I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but Jesus Christ, you bring in your own soda into a game <laughs> store to sit there at their table and not buy their game and not pay for their table and not even drink their own 50 cent sodas. Yeah. You're part of the problem. Well, yeah, that, that's a, I mean, honestly, it, we're not retailers and I, I guess we don't have a community, but at a certain point I would start to be like, are you my customer? Because you come here all the time. You never spend any money. You freeload, you take up space, you make the place less hospitable. Uh, you got to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At what point do you become a squatter and <laughs> not a customer? Right. Right. Anyway, that's <laughs> Brian hit on a pet peeve of mine too, which is damn, you can't even afford to buy a zebra cake and a Mountain Dew for a dollar. That gets into a funny story that I'll just go ahead and tell. We we were hosting an event at a certain store we could mention, and it was offered because of the event that there was a percentage off all merchandise during the event. It was announced. And of course, people went to the snack bar. Now now they're going to buy the zebra cake for 80 cents instead of a dollar. <laughs> and Brian, in the most booming voice ever, was like, not the food! <laughs> <laughs> who could blame him i mean it's just come on uh Ridiculous. yeah i mean look i i you know look i i'll never you know get down on someone for trying to save a dollar penny saved is a penny earned i, I fully believe that but come on man you know you can't be that chintzy people say this all the time about like dining and i and i fully believe this if you can't afford to tip you can't afford to eat there Yes. If you're leaving 10%, go somewhere else next time. Yeah. Unless they shit on your plate, go somewhere else next time. Yeah. And if they did, seriously, go somewhere else next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, that brings – like it's always funny to me what people will spend their money on. What people will get like so upset about but then like waste money on. You know what I mean? Like those people that are, oh my god, an extra $3. I would never pay that. But then like, you know, they – smoke cigarettes or they will buy, you know, they're buying a $6 Starbucks every single day, three times, two times a day. You know what I mean? It's just like the people's priorities in terms of how they spend their dollars is fascinating to me. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, from a retailer's perspective, it's interesting where they, it's, it's interesting that they spend their dollars in your, in your venue. And so uh, regardless of our feelings, I can definitely see why, why the small gaming store who's not looking to open up, a pub next door or, or rent for rent for space is in favor of this. But damn, now you got me thinking maybe they should just be like, all right, you, you got to pay to play here. What? I'll leave. Okay. You spend no, you spend no money. You buy nothing. You're of no value to me. Go ahead and leave. Then I'll be able to sell the table. Yeah. They're cost. They're costing money. I mean, that's time lights, you know, someone has to be there. I never even thought about after that. Them. It really sucks, but we have, great examples in this in this in our area of things that have worked 
again, I don't want to mention any names, but well, I don't I won't mention any names negatively. We have Tate's and we have that one comic book store on like what what is it? Like Sample Road with like the grouchy old man and it's like ten thousand <laughs> degrees inside. And- <laughs> yes, okay, yes. Let's just leave it at that. Yes, I know the one you're talking about. Look, man, I'm sorry. I know it's your life's passion. It's time to retire. Like <laughs> people deserve tapes. Yeah. Like what you are existed in the 70s and 80s and it died and no one's had the decency to bury you (laughs) i mean it died in the 90s 80s you know what i mean like it's not even like it died in 2015 yeah that shit died 20 years yeah unless you're bottling nostalgia or something like that because i mean you know i i I did that as a kid because i had to i'd go back there for fun but i wouldn't buy your comics i mean i would (laughs) you know charge me admission maybe yeah call it a theme park Good point, guys. Honestly. So there you go. I think it comes down to uh, there has to be. I mean, I'm still in favor of this measure. I'll just well, let's just go and give our, our final analysis before we adjourn. I'm in favor of this measure because I think it's a lot to ask. It's bias on my part, but it's a lot to ask game retailers to radically change their business when a lot of them have just been barely hanging on for a long time. And maybe a lot of them are personally invested. Um, but from a pure business standpoint, I can see why you adapt to this kind of a market by entering other lines of business. It's easier to say than do, but I see why that's a necessity. This delays the inevitable at best, in my opinion. Well, we'll see what the market bears out. We will indeed. In the meantime, charge MSRP or else. (laughs) And buy from the adventure game. Yes. Buy from the good stores. Absolutely. Buy from the good stores. Yeah. I mean, that's the answer. Vote with your dollars. Again, consider you might be saving a buck, but you're going to play at Amazon? You're going to play at Walmart? You're going to play at Target? Oh, you're not? Well, think about that next time you're making your purchase. Um, I mean, if we're talking a matter of five, ten dollars $10, you know, one less chicken nugget a week or something, you know? One less Starbucks. Yeah, seriously. That, that's the thing that irritates me. It's trivial amounts of money. And, and Cam alluded to this when he was discussing people's habits yeah. like, $5 more? Yeah, just get the small fry next time. That's fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Every online purchase kills a puppy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> anyway, guys, I think we have uh, had a pretty interesting conversation about this topic. Anything else you want to add? Oh, I'm good. Well, I'll add this then, dear uh, listeners and viewers. If you like what you heard here and you want us to continue operating without changing our business model, which is what we want, please sustain us by checking us out on iTunes. If iTunes isn't to your liking, we are available on Stitcher. And if Stitcher isn't to your liking, check us out instead in the Google Play Music Store, where I continue to enjoy our product on a weekly basis. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, add us to your Google circles, and join the Nerdstravaganza HQ group on Facebook. Head on over to our shiny, brand new website, nerdstravaganza.com. Same URL, but brand new website. You're going to love it. Uh, it's, it's like tr- it trumped in, build it. You're still going <laughs> to love it. Head on over to YouTube, type in Nerd Travaganza into the handy dandy search bar and check out all of our video content. Uh, but of course, if you're watching this, you're already at YouTube, but check out all of our other video content uh, and send us an email at nerdstravaganza at gmail.com and let us know where you like to shop. And with all that said, Brian, take us away. I can't even do anything funny. Seriously, buy from the good shops. I'm really passionate about this. <laughs> the, the bad one's got to go.
Same HTT, what, what is it? H, same uh, URL? URL. Sa- sa- same URL. <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking of the, 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 the lead-in characters. 